This is the Visionary Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Visionary Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Lawson, coming to you from Harvard University. And today I'm joined by Harvard men's volleyball captain, economics concentrator, and the GOAT of all things NBA, Buddy Scott. Hi, Buddy. <laughs> Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. How is it being back on campus? And, you know, how's your room looking? How's everything going? Um, so I'm a senior, but it's really weird because the last time I was on campus, I was halfway through my sophomore spring. Um, I'm on the volleyball team, so we had a bunch of upperclassmen, and I didn't feel very old or anything. Like, I had a bunch of people to look up to. Now, 17 months later, I am the captain, as you mentioned. I'm the oldest person on the team. There's, like, as many guys that have never been in our gym as that have, and there's just... So that that's really exciting, but it, I don't know. It just feels like five years have passed. It, like, it's crazy that... I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're all back on campus, but it's it's crazy in that regard. Um, but yeah, my, my move-in was good. Uh, my room is, it'll do. Uh, it's not <laughs> it's not the senior year room that I that I wanted or that I hoped for, but uh, I fit sort of, and I'll, I'll make it work. I I can't complain. So everything's going well. That's awesome. Yeah, for me, it's definitely been just so eye-opening and just like wow this is actually what Harvard is because mm-hmm. like as a freshman freshman last year I was on campus but it just wasn't it didn't compare to anything like it is now like in person we've had so many events that kind of thing so you mentioned that you're now captain right you last time you were here you were a sophomore my age right it kind of feels like you're just coming in and all of a sudden okay okay, he's captain, like, what was that experience for you? Like, how did that happen? When did that happen? Um, yeah, I am grateful that I had three plus semesters on campus before COVID happened. So I had enough, so I got through a full volleyball season and like half of a second one. So I was able to see like how our captains like functioned as a, as a unit. There's usually two of them. So it's me and this guy named, named Jason now, but, um, I would say the hardest thing is towing the line between being like friendly and being someone that that underclassmen want to talk to, but also ha- like kind of being stern enough so that they're they're also like listening to you and, and respect you. And there's kind of a fine line that I'm I'm still still learning on that. But uh, we actually held a captain's election like the day that we got sent home. March 2020 because we wanted to know like who the captains were for the next year thinking that we'd be back on campus in a few months and that didn't happen uh so I I ran and I I did not win I think I was from what I I guess heard after the fact like one vote away from being elected but I was not elected captain um and then this whole junior year passed we had uh zoom sessions like every couple weeks and you know, doing workouts on your own. I did not step foot on campus. Mm-hmm. And then we had elections in April and um, over Zoom, right? And I was elected. Uh, and I think the biggest 
honor, uh, and this may get a little like deeper, is I've never really had any like meaningful court time yet, mm-hmm. which I think makes it an even greater honor that I was elected over guys who I would say are like the best players on our team. So they, it's it's humbling in that I I know that they see something in me that is like a you know an off court leader, but I mean hopefully I'll be able to contribute significantly on the court this year, but. Uh, interesting dynamic. I, I think every team needs leaders that aren't necessarily like the stars of the team. And, and previously, I I wasn't. We'll, we'll see this year. So that was a cool aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a Sutter, right? I am. Okay. Yeah. So as Sutter, what kind of goes through your mind in the game, right? A lot. Of, there's a lot of pressure on you. Um, I remember you texted me one time over the summer saying, oh my gosh, someone just sent me this episode of the po- of this podcast of Hidden Brain. It was the episode called, uh, what was it called? Stage Fright, mm-hmm. right? Do, do you experience stage fright in that regard or like even just thinking about all the preparation that has gone into this season coming up right now, um, the past like year and a half, two years even? And I feel like now, right now, there's this, we're in this waiting period, like this holding period between, okay, we're, we've been preparing for so long and now we're actually ready to perform. Do you feel that stage fright coming on or what are you thinking? Um, I've played volleyball pretty much my entire life. And when I was young, you know, like when a kid just starts playing a sport and realizes they're good at it, there's nothing on their mind other than like, hey, I want to play that again. So psychologically, I felt like I was perfect. I was you know, it was my my team was really good. We won like the national championship ages like thirteen and fourteen. Like I I knew I was a top player kind of going into high school, mm-hmm. but then like you know more guys start playing, more guys grow. Like the competition is just stiffer, and then you also have the college recruiting thing. So there's just a lot more variables in play, and that's when perhaps I I, I started um, thinking more about or like getting nervous before matches or like hey there's there's a coach watching me. Um, so th- these last few years has kind of been a process with that because, as you mentioned, I'm a setter. The setter, the, the best uh, thing I've ever heard about it is a setter has to be a sponge that takes in all of the negative energy that, that other players have, but don't show that back to them. So you have to be the one, because you're the one that everyone is, is looking towards. You're calling the plays, you're running the offense. So you have to look completely calm and, and in control, even if you're not. Um, so that's something I, I've learned, and it's been a process. Um, and, I mean, another hard part about it is I, I didn't play much my freshman and sophomore year. So I went from playing a lot, playing in pretty much every match I was ever in before coming to Harvard, um, to not playing that much. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of taking away in-game reps was... Um, it, it was hard to like keep that demeanor because I just didn't have a lot of repetitions with it. And then, to be honest, like I haven't played in like a, like a full-on game six and six and six on six environment in a year and a half. So I think the mental side of it, volleyball wise, will come back, but I just kind of need to get back in the gym with the guys and, and see how it is. Yeah, definitely. So why volleyball over basketball if you're literally so, you know, and can you talk about kind of how NBA came about for you and your role in that and what mm-hmm. you're looking to do with that? Yeah, basketball was the first sport I started playing. Kindergarten, I was this kind of chubby guy with long hair that that 
played basketball like basically from the time school got out until the sun was setting i was like a basketball fanatic um i was always tall so they had me like playing center like i was the big guy but i wasn't very muscular so i would kind of get pushed around a little bit and also I, I was a good shooter, so I wanted to, like, stand in the corner or, like, not kind of be the, the bruiser inside. Yeah. Um, so that was a little frustrating. And also, you know, I'm I'm 6'5", I knew, or 6'6", six, six, I guess. Um, I knew I was going to be about this height. And that's, like, that's probably not tall enough to be, like, a college big man. Um, and I, I knew that. So middle school I was playing both basketball and volleyball pretty competitively traveling and all that and I just decided if I'm trying to play in college um, I have a better chance with volleyball and that chance is gonna increase if I put all my eggs in the volleyball basket Mm -hmm. so but but I never lost that love for the game of, of basketball I was always playing pickup and as we'll probably get into later I'm kind of a professional basketball fanatic um but I I've had this 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 conversation on on my podcast before about people really thinking that playing multiple sports kind of throughout their their life really helped them and I honestly think that I'd be a better volleyball player if I kept the basketball going throughout high school and some just to get like some some way to exercise that wasn't volleyball yeah. um so I'm, I'm kind of regretful of that but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm here so I, I, I can't complain that much yeah, I really think that cross training is so important. Like mm-hmm. I, I some of my teammates they're out there they're boxing. You know, I, I rolled my ankle. I did swimming, swim sprints all summer, that kind of thing. Yeah, I really think cross training is a good idea. So you're not only cross training, but you kind of have like these two passions of volleyball as a player, and then basketball and NBA kind of as a more professional um, interest, I guess, or a professional pursuit. How did this, um, how do you know you wanted to work for the NBA? And can you tell the listeners like what your goals are for that professionally? Yeah, so there's a lot of people like uh, growing up who love basketball and maybe like play 2K and are like, I, I want to be a GM, meaning like I want to be the people make or the person making roster decisions of like who's going to be on this team because everyone thinks that they're smarter than everyone else and can construct this like perfect basketball team. And that's the goal of literally like hundreds of thousands of, of people, at least at, from a young age. Um, and so when I got to Harvard, as you know, like everyone, everyone has a thing. Everyone's like, oh, I, I know I'm going to med school. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I know I'm doing research on this next summer. I, yeah. I know I'm going into banking, all that. So the start of my freshman year, I had to, I had to like make the decision of whether basketball was just like something I wanted to follow in my free time and whether I wanted to go a more traditional path of like other Harvard students or whether I was really serious about this this basketball thing like trying to work on you know like for for a basketball team obviously not as a player but as like a person making decisions so basically once I came to that decision uh, I kind of haven't looked back since then and pretty much everything I've done like pre-professionally has been to further that that goal so I guess that's that's when I got serious about it my freshman year and yeah, so it's been three years, and I have one more year to figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's just so admirable that you are able to kind of go your own path and not look at all of our classmates and our teammates, you know, they're on the pre-med grind or they're in 20,000 extracurriculars. Um, how did you use this past COVID year to kind of um, narrow in on your goals and how did you optimize that time? I know you talk about you're an economics concentrator, you know, um, cost benefit analysis, right? Time optimization, that yeah. stuff is really important. So how did you do that over this past year? Uh Honestly, I realized that as soon as COVID hit, people who I've always wanted to like talk on the phone with had a lot more free time because at least for the first couple months, the NBA wasn't happening. So I scheduled a lot of phone calls and that was something I had experience with previously, but I definitely increased the number of those. I was probably doing like, at some point it was probably like one a day on average with like, you know, people in the positions that I, I want to be in. Um, and when it seemed pretty clear, so maybe October, November of last year, that we weren't having a volleyball season in the spring, I applied to this internship with the NBA Players Association. And I had honestly like failed in the internship process like a few times, at least a few times. Um, I, I was naive in thinking that sports was something where you just kind of applied to the job and if you have the best resume or the best background, then that's who's going to get the job. Well, I realized later that you need to have some sort of connection. Maybe it's not like your dad runs the thing, or but yeah. you need to have some connection to get your resume read. Yeah. And so I actually reached out to a former player on the Harvard women's basketball team who's like the media and communications person for the NBPA. Um, her name is Ellie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just, we just talked uh, and... It was kind of, I, I tried to build, you know, an organic relationship. It was never like, hi, my name is Buddy. Please make sure my resume gets read. It was just like, hey, I'd love to hear about what you what you do. Like, how did you get from Harvard to, um, you know, like where you are with MBPA? And we had a few Zoom calls. And then, um, yeah, I, I got the job. And I heard, I heard later that she was really, like, in my corner. She was an advocate for me. So that was really cool. But... Um, yeah, to get back back on track. Sorry. So how I was using my during this like COVID time is I was doing an internship um, this this past spring, like 20, 30 hours a week um, while still being enrolled in for pretty difficult classes. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you mentioned, I'm an economics concentrator. So I finished up all of those requirements. So I'm done with pretty much everything. Um, awesome. And yeah, I, I did it. I, I continued with the MBPA over the summer did a few more like basketball related things for people uh and here i am so i'd, I'd, I'd like to think i i use the covid time well but i will never really know until i really get like that full-time opportunity and yeah. we'll see so what did your days look like on the day-to-day -day? like what are some things you did to keep focus and how did you use your time in that way just on the very like small scale level like what time do you wake up in the morning? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. much, I don't know. Like, are you a journaler? Do you kind of a to-do list, a list maker? How <laughs> uh, do you stay organized with all this? I am a list maker and someone who journals, like, to a fault almost. Like, I write down mm -hmm. everything. I, I like having everything in front of me on a pen and paper and, like, cross it off. and like, all right, I've, I've, I've done that. And it just kind of looks good and it's, it's a good... I don't have a million things running through my head because I like try to get it on paper. So like, 
the night before I'll write down like kind of a tentative schedule and pencil. It can obviously change because mm-hmm. stuff happens, but tentative schedule and so it's kind of what you know what time commitments I have, um, and then what are my goals for the day? Like what do I want to get better at or do, and then I, I started doing this thing. It was kind of shortly after COVID started, just like a few things, not like a full journal entry, but writing down like one or two things that I'm grateful for because, and it sounds super cheesy, but like it keeps, it it, it keeps everything in perspective, right? Like it, it, um, like I, I was waking up early to do my volleyball workouts and early is probably like five because well at least this past summer I was in I was in California working east coast hours so I would start at like 6 6 30 mm-hmm. and it would be like super hot by the time that I was done so I was like oh, I'll get this workout done in the morning so I guess reminding myself what I'm grateful for helped me like not snooze the alarm like just just wake <laughs> up in the morning yeah um and then work from like six to two and then have the rest of my day to kind of do my side projects that are NBA related do like networking calls all of that. So, yeah, that's kind of my what my day-to-day was, at least this, this past summer. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the gratitude journaling is really interesting, and it's something that I did over COVID as well. Um, and I, I hope everyone to some degree did that because, you know, there was so much uncertainty and so much to be grateful for if you're, you know, in good health and that kind of thing. What are some examples of, like, what you wrote, per se, like some someone listening to this? Like, what is something that you would say? Um... <laughs> I said that I was grateful for FaceTime because I FaceTime my grandma every day and she's mm-hmm. like my best friend in the whole world and I didn't see her from January of last year until May of this year. So it and she's 91. Mm-hmm. Uh so it was FaceTime was great because I mean we honestly like don't talk about m- much of anything but she just likes to kind of stare at my face and <laughs> and I mean, we we do have a conversation, but it's nothing like earth earth shattering. Um, yeah. So I'm grateful for FaceTime. I'm, I guess I, I I just I think a lot of people thought this like you're just more cognizant of how grateful you are for your health and like and I started like eating healthier and like thinking about like everything that I was putting into my body, all that because I mean there's like a global health crisis, obviously, and yeah, um, yeah just just grateful that I was healthy and not sick and kind of hoping that everyone that I cared about wasn't sick either so yeah those are just a few things I would I would jot down that like I said I like write that down and then the next morning it's it's easier because you have some perspective on why you're doing the things that you're doing so it was easier to wake up super early to do like a morning workout or run yeah yeah so what do you say like the mo the biggest impact player the biggest motivator is for you personally um sports is filled with nepotism meaning that and i i witnessed this firsthand when i worked at at summer league like a lot of the people and this isn't really their fault but a lot of the people in sports their parents like are also in the sports industry or they have some like high level connection like that um and i'm obviously far away from from any sort of like um impact in the in the sports industry but i kind of just want to prove that someone who is like kind of a complete outsider like 
didn't play basketball at a high level, not even like a student manager of, of the basketball team, parents have nothing to do with sports, mm-hmm. that you can kind of just still make it um, and just kind of be an example to other people. I, I know I'm so, I'm not that far along in the process so that this, this may be jumping the gun saying this, but I think that's what I'm striving towards. And um, I honestly have got into a position now where, and it's crazy to think like people are actually calling me, like asking me for advice, which I guess is, means that I've kind of reached the next level of this whole like climbing the mountain to like to work in, in, in basketball. But yeah. And I, I take those calls because I, I would want people ahead of me to take my call. So just kind of paying it forward. You, you never know, when you're going to interact with this person, like the person who's, who's calling me for advice could be the hiring manager for a job I'm applying for in 10 years. Like you just have no idea. So I just, yeah, it sounds, again, it sounds super cliche, but like just kind of treat every person with the utmost respect, like how you'd want to be treated because you, you never know how in five, 10 years, that's the person that you need to impress. So every time you have an interact interaction, you're making an impression on someone. So that's what I, I try to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. So as you're climbing this mountain, um, this metaphorical mountain, um, is there is there an end point for you? Is there a point where okay, okay, buddy, he's happy with this, like he's done all the things. Is that something? Is that how you approach it, or is it kind of like a process that you think will keep going? And you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. right now, you you can't really see what's ahead, but what do you think in that regards? Like, is there an end point? Or an end goal for you, or is it? Honestly, the more time I spend trying to reach whatever that end goal is, I think the idea of what the end goal is becomes a lot more nuanced. Like, as I mentioned, a bunch of people, like, you know, like middle school, high school, they, like, want to be an NBA GM, and they think they can, like, run an NBA team, and that'd be the coolest thing in the world. And I've honestly gotten to a point where some of the people who I've grown pretty close to who are like work for teams and like pretty high level positions. Um, I had a conversation a couple months ago where this, this guy was like, he, he was exactly like me. Like he didn't play basketball at a high level, but he really wanted to work in basketball. He loved it. And he works for the Philadelphia 76ers who, who got upset in the second round of the playoffs. They lost mm-hmm. to the Hawks and he just looked, and this was like weeks after, but we had like a zoom call and he just looked so somber and he was like, you know, like each season that we don't win the championship, which is, you know, 29 of, of the 30 teams, you just kind of realize that it's not an industry where like you're in banking or something where like everyone can be doing well and everyone feels like they're at a good place. Like the reality is like 29 of the 30 teams, like everyone who works for that team is going to be, sad because they didn't win the championship Mm -hmm. so when i say that i want to be a gm like i I think it becomes more more nuanced as i said because i know that i'm that it's like impossible that you're going to win every single year yeah um which i guess is the beauty of it because if you don't win then you there's always next year which is like the the beauty of sports Mm -hmm. but so, so i would say the top of the mountain is like being the number one person like the executive decision maker for a basketball team but i've also learned that some of the best front offices like decision makers 
sometimes there's like a 1A and a 1B. And a lot of times people or teams run into problems because there's just one kind of dictator type person calling all the shots, not listening to anyone else. And it usually doesn't turn out well. So I, I guess the end goal is to, a, is to be in the room and have like a say at, at the table um, and have my voice listened to in an NBA organization. Um, and sure, I'd love like the highest title, but it's more so just like getting my voice heard, mm-hmm. which is a long ways away, but I think I'm, I'm on the right track. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I talk a lot about um, with my dad and with mentors of mine, um, especially in my recruiting process, something called the P word. Um, and that's that word is potential. So, yeah. right. It's like you kind of don't know what is going to happen. Everyone's telling you you're so good, like you're going to be so great, like for basketball. I'm sure people were telling you that for volleyball in your process. Um, what do you do when you have all this potential, right? Like this potential skill, this potential talent, like this potential success. How do you handle that? And how do you even believe in yourself enough right now to like be saying all those things? You know what I mean? Like you're like, yeah, I'm VGM. Like what is what has that been like for you? And how have you gotten to that point where you're able to actually speak it into existence? Because I feel like a lot of young people are not willing to really speak up for themselves. And like you said, the goal is to have your voice heard. Um, I feel like you need to start right now, like you are doing it with your podcast and that kind of thing. I'm glad you brought up potential. Um, I guess just touching on maybe something a little unrelated, like you mentioned the college recruiting process. And similarly for me, like I was recruited by a lot of schools and there's just not a lot of schools that have men's volleyball like at the division one level so a lot of the schools were like you know offering scholarships and like pretty definite playing time and all that um but I kind of took the larger view of it and like maybe Harvard doesn't have the best potential for like hey we're gonna win a national championship or like I'm gonna play all four years but just taking a step back like it's undeniable that I was creating more potential for myself in my life if I decided to go to Harvard than these these other schools. So I would say as far back as like junior year of high school, I, I was thinking about it in that in that way. And I, I guess specifically like to work in basketball. But yeah, um, I, I mean, I try not to be like, so like you want to speak things into existence you want to be confident you want to you want to say i will do this i will get this job but at the same time like who the hell knows like (laughs) you know so yeah i think there's a fine line between like being cocky and being confident but i would say that that each thing that i do each time i I don't know, I'm working on spreadsheets for four hours that I'm going to send to some person on the who works for a team who may or may not open the email. Mm-hmm. I'm increasing my potential for success. So that that's kind of how I I view it. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, like, take the long view because in the moment, I don't know. But like I said, he may or may not read the email. But, it, like, I just have the mindset that if, if I keep 
kind of doing like one brick at a time, like building this house very slowly. I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry we're speaking in so many metaphors. Uh, <laughs> um, hopefully one day I'll take a step back and realize I've kind of built this house or built this structure and, and um, yeah, yeah, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Now, who was it? Was it an NBA player someone who said, whose father told them to build the house brick by brick? Was it Kobe? My... <sighs> I, don't remember. I it, it rings a bell. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard people say it. I don't know who specifically. Yeah, but. that's true. And I think with potential comes very 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 hard work and mm-hmm. determination. And right. you actually have to put in the work because you can't just obviously you can't just talk about it. You got to walk the walk too. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. So now we're on to the closing segment. Um, the quick vision question. So close your eyes, clear your mind, or do what you need to do to unlock your inner visionary, and we'll get started. So answer these questions in one word or one sentence. Okay. Favorite NBA player? Nikola Jokic. Okay, Jordans or Air Force Ones? Air Force Ones. Road less traveled or path of least resistance? Road less traveled. One lesson you learned from this past summer. Hmm. Um, every impression matters that you make on someone. Nice. What would you like our listeners to know um, regarding how they can unlock their potential? Hmm. You never know until you try and don't just not pursue something because you don't see your friends doing it or you don't think you have a legitimate chance. Like you're probably young, um, probably younger than I am if you're listening to this um, and just there's a lot of life ahead of you and you'll always be be regretful if you don't like try it. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. Okay, before we wrap up, um, where can our listeners find you, and can you plug plug the pod? <laughs> yeah, so I have a podcast. If you look up uh, Buddy Ball in wherever you get your podcast, you'll find it. It's a Buddy Ball podcast on Instagram, and I also post a lot of my work on my own Twitter, which is Buddy Scott NBA. Nice. Buddy, thanks for coming on and talking with me today. It was great. Um, That's all we have for this week's episode of the Visionary Podcast. Uh, We hope this conversation inspires you to see life from another point of view. If you valued this episode, be sure to follow us for more.